we can closely monitor the patient along a longitudinal pathway and then hit and strike at the appropriate time. Welcome to Shaping the Future of Healthcare from Siemens Health and Ears, the podcast where we talk with renowned experts from around the world about the impact they're making on the future of medical technology. Today, Managing Board Member Christoph Sindel talks to Stefan Schoenberg, Director and Chairman of the Department of Radiology and Nuclear Medicine at the University Medical Center Mannheim, Germany. As former president of the German Röntgen Society and a strong proponent of integrated diagnostics, Professor Schoenberg had a great deal to discuss with Christoph about the ways in which the platform will influence and improve patient care. Yeah, Stefan. Really great to have you here today. And of course, it's a great honor for me to talk to you in my podcast series. Thank you very much for being available and for your time today. Today, we would like to address the topic of integrated diagnostics, which I feel is a very exciting topic. So let me start off with the first question. Integrated diagnostics is a topic that receives increasing attraction in the medical community. You are a strong driver, and we have spoken about it many times already. You are a strong driver of integrated diagnostics. Can you give us a glimpse of integrated diagnostics at University Hospital in Mannheim? Well, Christoph, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, also a big thank you for accommodating me in this really famous podcast. Uh, this is a great platform, and I'm really happy that we can share our visions here together Indeed, uh, integrated diagnostics uh, is a really promising field for scientific as well as uh, clinical research. And as always, it starts with the people. So really the first game changer was a very close interaction with my dear friend and colleague, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Clinical Chemistry, Michael Normeyer who really had envisioned this uh, cooperative assessment of laboratory medicine data and radiology data for a long time. And I think it really came through the increase of uh, digitalization and artificial intelligence that we found a cooperative platform to really shape new clinical questions and also scientific questions hereof. So as many things at the current uh, time, also a use case for integrated diagnostics at our university medical center is uh, greatly uh, influenced by the uh, COVID pandemic. And here, I think we have a unique example where radiology, of course, by chest CT grading of COVID-like infections, but also by deep learning algorithms for extraction of quantitative data hereof has brought a lot of uh, insights and a lot of uh, clinical change to emergency centers in handling COVID patients. But at the same time, we now know that corona disease is a systemic disease involving many other organs. And unfortunately, we have to make a predictive measure on how dangerous a patient will be affected. Mm -hmm. And this is frequently not only affected or driven by the lungs. 
And here, really, laboratory medicine comes in that uh, gives you a systemic view of the patient, also a temporarily changing view on the patient. And uh, we now combine the two uh, uh, fields in making predictive models from pulmonary involvement to actually the severity of systemic organ involvement. And this, for me, is a change of paradigms also in, in, in looking at integrated diagnostics and injective extracting uh, information. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, when uh, COVID-19, we have all learned so much out of COVID-19. And it's in interesting that you describe it as one example for a systemic, a very devastating systemic disease. I think you are describing a great and important step uh, towards providing integrated and a more holistic healthcare away from, let's say, the departmental separation, right, um, which happens also in our company sometimes. We as a company try to support integrated diagnostics by innovating, let's say, holistic approaches to address diseases like also stroke, coronary artery diseases, lung and liver cancer. I think from our perspective, all highly relevant uh, diseases. Yeah. Key is certainly that we enable integrated diagnostics by enhancing data sharing. So our team play digital health platform is uh, certainly a very important media to ensure, let's say, vendor system and device interaction and data sharing. Yeah? So I think you mentioned also AI, where I believe I can only confirm to you it has a huge potential to help dealing with the big data. It's also challenging to realize it, but uh, I fully agree with you. It's um, a very important module in the area of uh, integrated diagnostics. Siemens Healthineers are working towards more and more integrated diagnostics as we expect various advantages from this. In your point of view, what are the biggest advantages you see and are there relevant scientific results connected to integrated diagnostics? For example, you know, is it already proven that there is a higher life expectancy to be expected of uh, patients, for example? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, I see a major change by the use of integrated diagnostics to bring high-end, let's say, radiology and nuclear medicine imaging and the related diagnosis to the right patient at the right time in the course of a disease, which can be the primary, secondary, or tertiary course of a disease, meaning the recurrence after, for example, a cured cancer. So we have to think on patients more in terms of a longitudinal change of disease over time. And then we have to derive predictive models from that we basically hit and strike with the best imaging technique we have. For example, in uh, recurrent colon cancer, rectal and colon cancer, we can use, of course, PET-MRI as a very uh, a strong and very effective diagnostic tool. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to predict when patients have their, let's say, individual relapse. And here, for example, with laboratory medicine, with the amazing uh, capabilities of measuring circulating tumor DNA and actually also predicting mutational load, we can closely monitor the patient along a longitudinal pathway and then hit and strike at the appropriate time. And then basically uh, not only predict if there will be recurrence, but interestingly, due to uh, more refined analysis of uh, DNA components, even to predict where relapse might occur. 
And if that relapse has different uh, mutational fingerprints than the original tumor. And I think this is a great alliance because it fosters the use of high-end technology rather than just using standard uh, imaging care every uh, three months. It shifts it to refined high-end imaging and at the same time predicts models where recurrence might take place. And by that also uh, fosters the use of minimally invasive therapy, for example, for metastasis tumor ablation or embolization. You mentioned circulating free DNA. Is it also a means to get into earlier diagnosis? of cancer, for example, which is, I guess, also something you always propagate, right? The earlier you can treat or you can identify the tumor, the better you can treat it or you can, you might be even able to cure it. Yeah. Do you see in uh, circular free DNA potential to become also earlier in the diagnosis of cancer? Absolutely. But it has to come along with new digital platforms uh, mm -hmm. and, of course, medically informatic initiatives where those uh, data are sampled and stored and then basically used in a longitudinal fashion to really show the course over time in a recurrently updated pattern to predict the models. And this is actually also a very good way on using artificial intelligence, not just for extraction of the uh, new kind of information from the images on a static time point in time, but also to uh, apply uh, methods of continuous learning artificial intelligence to predict longitudinal models. But that, of course, has to come again with new digital ecosystems that undergo recurrent updates and, of course, also a recurrent refinement of the AI strategies, pathway modules, if you wish to say. There, in this uh, combination, I think uh, I see a huge strength uh, for personalized healthcare. Makes very much sense to me. It's very exciting development, yeah. It sounds also like, and we have proof points for this, for example, in the UK, where we have the community diagnostic hubs, where you bring together radiology, phlebotomy, um, consultation, integrated all in one facility. I think it's even helpful thinking along the lines of the vision that Patients no longer would have to go from department to department, from silo to silo, if I say so, to really manage their treatment or their diagnosis. So I think it could also help significantly to bring this all meaningfully together and make it also more patient-friendly and ensure a better patient experience by using integrated diagnostics. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. The vision we have is that for the one reason, of course, you need specialized centers that do integrated data handling. But uh, at the same time, you need to have new concepts for a joint initiative between hospitals and outpatient ambulatory medicine uh, modules. So to combine the high-end integrated diagnostics to a static point in time, to continuous monitoring approaches um, in the ambulant and ambulatory uh, fashion. And I think that is a, a unique strength of the new digital cloud health platforms that they basically can really uh, bring those data together. We uh, like to call this a 5D diagnosis, so to say, with 3 and 4D imaging or uh, laboratory medicine at one time. 
but then looking at the long-chain tool in the past. And I think this is, has only become possible by, of course, data protection, uh, reliable patient health clouds that we can use for, for this kind of uh, long-chain tool and also predictive model. So it's a little bit a movement away, ironically, from the centers alone to a distributed architecture, if you wish to say, almost like in a hub-and-spoke architecture that uh, really will make the, in my view, with the increasing degree of digitalization, will make the change in the continuous monitoring and personalized medicine of the patient. I think it's uh, confirming what the EU has also in their programs, right? I think the role of primary care in this all is certainly significant. I fully agree with you. The key question now is a more precise diagnosis. Is it really going to help for the therapy? So my question along this line is, do you believe that integrated diagnostic influence the therapeutic decisions? Absolutely, because as we know, the molecular targeted medications, uh, they only have a certain spectrum of effectiveness and the patients with metastatic cancer have to face the fact that their metastatic lesions undergo mutational changes over time, decreasing the effectiveness at least in one lesion or within a lesion. So basically, we see more and more heterogeneous tumor response. And here, basically, we have to make more and more predictions of, uh, uh, let's say, a mutational drift and then combine different methods of treatment. This is, for example, what we do in the molecular research campus in Mannheim, Moli, where we combine, of course, systemic medicine approaches with minimally invasive approaches if a lesion has undergone a significant mutational change and requires ablation by percutaneous uh, treatment. Uh, and at the same time, the other lesions might be still susceptible to the molecular targeted uh, treatment. So this is definitely an important use case for this kind of integration. But of course, with the models being better and better, we can you go more to secondary prevention, meaning if there is already existent but not really manifested uh, disease, like for example in the cardiovascular arena, coronary artery disease, which is at the subclinical stage, our CT systems getting better all the time, the uh, coronary artery imaging is uh, brilliant, we have evidence that this is highly accurate, but still we do not know which patient will be ultimately hit by, for example, a myocardial infarction at what time. There again, I think we need to have more refined models of AI looking into the flow dynamics of coronary arteries, into the compositions of the plaques, which I think, for example, with the new photon counting generation of CT scanners will be uh, even more elegant. But at the same time, we need to identify appropriate laboratory medicine markers that still give us this hint on this progressive disease that ultimately, you know, manifests in a significant event. I believe in this respect, it's not just radiology and laboratory medicine. We have to integrate physiological parameters, blood pressure, etc. And that's why a digital patient archive with a longitudinal brain, so to say, becomes more important. Otherwise, uh, we will not 
I'd be able to really reliably identify the course of the disease in an individual patient in many cases. Very interesting, Stefan. Brings me to our vision that all this data can be used to feed a digital twin, which can be used to simulate a treatment, let's say, based on the data in order to make it even easier to identify responders and non-responders. And we might even be able sooner or later to do this on the molecular level, right? Very interesting, I have to say, and uh, also very promising for the future and the health of the patients, yeah. Another question, Stefan. Integrated diagnostics requires the collection of data from manifold sources and big data analysis, of course, often supported by AI. You mentioned it already a couple of times. What is needed in this regard to bring integrated diagnostics to the next level? Well, you made a very uh, important point. The digital twin is absolutely one of the core elements because it's not just the twin as a reflection of the data that is there. But what I like about the twin concept is that it holds promise for our colleagues from really fundamental mathematic or information uh, technology to really use most advanced models of uh, data augmentation, synthetic AI concepts, uh, forward, backward AI, to really sort of model around that digital twin with augmented data to really give some additional that the current sampling of the data alone cannot really um, bring. I think this is what we uh, need to understand as a community, that the twin is sort of the reflection of the clinical data on one hand, but it's also sort of the data broker where we can use new models of data augmentation from other data repositories, etc. So this is this is the one thing. The second thing I believe is, again, it's the cultural change between uh, the colleagues from diagnostic medicine. I mentioned that we have this really close uh, uh, collaboration with laboratory medicine here in our University Medical Center, it's uh, not just the combination of the data, it's also the new type of questions that we together learn. And this can, of course, be also expanded to pathology, uh, microbiology, etc. And lastly, uh, as mentioned earlier, we need to involve the patient as a data provision over time. And that data needs to be really uh, go into a common longitudinally analyzed uh, platform and, of course, a representative pathway module. So, so these are, to me, the, the, the magic uh, ingredients. I might want to add here another magic uh, ingredient because I think it's the right way going forward On a broader scale, I mean, you are aware that uh, the EU initiated or published in November 2020 the BEAT Cancer Program, where it is, in fact, about prevention, early detection, diagnosis and treatment, and at the end, improve quality of life. This is leading into the European health data space, where I believe it's also an ingredient we would really benefit from. The idea is a more federated system, leaving the data where they are at home, let's say in the individual countries of the EU, but thinking about an intelligent way 
to bring this huge data space together. Of course, anonymize data and uh, establish exchange formats in addition. But the potential is huge when you think what amount of data would be available for research and for big data analysis in that sense. So I think these programs, I can only say, I hope they will materialize very soon because I think it's also key for integrated diagnostics as you describe it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, the digital platforms here are to me in a very important uh, role because the uh, problem about all the cancer studies is that they take a long time to reach the endpoints and they require a huge number of patients. And once they finished, Medical oncology is changing so rapidly that some of the results already are phasing outdated results. And this, I think, is where we need to go more in digital predictive models that continuously optimize themselves with using continuous evidence and as exactly as you say, in a federated learning approach. I think someone needs to really make that point very convincing how federated learning evidence is continuously fed into the longitudinal predictive model or assessment model. So, so this will be the major change to, to leave classical oncology studies the way they are done now with like sort of a rigid regimen, doing a therapeutic arm B, A and B, and then waiting for a few years for the results to come. This is still, of course, valid and has brought medical care to an envisioned levels. But nevertheless, it has to face the situation that it, the developments are so rapid right now that we might come into new ways of, in a way, if you wish to say, crowd intelligence. Yeah, yeah great point, Stefan. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. My last question with respect to our podcast and the topic of integrated diagnostics today, Stefan, is beside technical innovations and the strategies we talked about, there is also a need for cultural change connected to integrated diagnostics. What, Stefan, is your experience here? How do you promote the change? That is a very important question. I thank you very much for giving me this opportunity because I think, and we see this sometimes, that people think about integrated diagnostics as a common data repository for, let's say, digital pathology and digital radiology. In one case, of course, this is true, but this is really more looking into data harmonization, data scaling, common analyses. But this is basically not really driven by this sort of patient-focused longitudinal questions to refine your predictive models. So even if you say you have a new department handle structures in the future, that might well be true. This is from the vertical point of view. We do see a matrix uh, or even a three-dimensional matrix where the horizontal sort of strains are the medical informatic initiatives and our esteemed colleagues from, uh, from this field. And lastly, a third dimension which are really these new mathematical models from, for example, a digital avatar or digital twin that basically jumps back and forth, uses data augmentation, synthetic data. So this will has to come on hand. And I, I would give everyone a, a little bit sort of also from the uh, sea level a hint that this has to be taken into account when thinking about integrated departments that we need these other two uh, dimensions to really 
do predictive modeling and this is what we need to do in, in really exactly as you have raised the question into really making a change for the therapeutic regimen. Uh, like the, the, your pathways modules, for example, where they really you look on the long-term modeling on how the best treatment for prostate cancer, for example. I think this is uh, important. And then, of course, here also we see in uh, my own profession new chances for radiology to become data stewards, uh, really to provide stewardship to the longitudinal course of the patient, for example, with our esteemed colleagues from laboratory medicine, this can be an entirely new role, but we have to put those ingredients as our, our components together. Yeah, makes much sense and uh, great points you are raising here. I love this cultural topic. And uh, when I talk to customers here and there, some of them already try to or are in the process to bring for example, as you said, radiology and pathology together, right? But when you have a little bit deeper discussions about it, you can really learn, yes, on the paper and maybe also on a data structure or interfacing exchange, it's maybe easier than on a human level, right? Where people need to work together, two faculties, you know, which have their own proudness, yeah? Uh, all of a sudden need to work together, which is a challenge. I mean, at least here a little... Warning and recommendation, this should, beside from all technology consideration and strategic considerations, this should never be forgotten. Cultural change is, as you said at the beginning, very much around people. And if it's about people, right, it's human and uh, it can be difficult. So I think that's certainly a challenge uh, we need to keep in mind and need to proactively manage to avoid heavier accidents here, yeah. I would love to ask you a, a more private question. What is your passion outside of your clinical world, right? And maybe also a little bit, uh, how could you cope with the pandemic, uh, which was, which is a devastating time? Believe it or not, it's uh, mountain biking and serious mountain biking. And it's actually also amazing how much technology you can put into a few tubes of steel or carbon. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look from afar, I mean, you would say it's just one bike looks like the other one. But it's amazing on how much technology industry in this field has put in the last years into these systems. And we can now go, of course, with all precautions of safety in the trails that, I mean, you would have never envisioned. So I like this very much. And of course, uh, in the pandemic, this was a great way of uh, particularly with travel restrictions to keep up to the fitness level and to experience nature and also to think about uh, integrated diagnostics. And uh, <laughs> so it's a, it's a great relax and it's uh, really a good activity. <laughs> no, super. Uh, do me one favor. Stay healthy. Right? I mean, <laughs> my understanding, I'm, I'm really not in this uh, domain, but uh, my understanding is you guys can get some speed with your mountain bike. So watch out and take care of yourself yeah, because we need you, right? <laughs> uh, Stefan, a big thank you for your time. And I would like to add also a big thank you for the very outcome-oriented and successful co collaboration over many, many years. Thank you also for your friendship. I wish you well and look forward uh, to our next conversation very soon. Likewise. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this uh, 
podcast conversation. It was the first time for me in such a podcast and I really uh, think it's a very relaxing but also uh, exciting format. Thank you very much, Stefan. Wrapping up today's episode, Integrated Diagnostics offers a critical collaborative space in which scientists and clinicians can monitor, treat, and even predict health conditions. Much of the success of integrated diagnostics can be attributed to progress made in artificial intelligence. With deep learning algorithms, clinicians can now personalize patient monitoring. Such custom care improves the patient experience throughout their treatment. Work must still be done to gather data across global regions safely and specialist centers must exist to handle and protect personal information. Nevertheless, the potential for using such data in medical research and analysis puts integrated diagnostics in a vital role across several domains of healthcare. A big thank you to Stefan Schoenberg and to all of our listeners. This has been another episode of Shaping the Future of Healthcare from Siemens Healthineers. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time. Digital Health Platform is not commercially available in all countries. Its future availability cannot be ensured.